Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am pumped out of my mind for this episode because I get to sit down with my dear friend, Peter Kelly, who is one of the most brilliant, soul-shifting entrepreneurs on the planet. But before I do, don't forget, Lori's world-famous Bliss Project Weekend for Women is coming up. If you feel like something's kind of missing, you haven't quite found your purpose, found your meaning, you know, you're, you're happy enough, but you haven't reached that pinnacle happiness yet. And 2018 is your year that you finally get that all figured out. Well, that happens at this weekend. It happens at the Bliss Project. So all you have to do to check out if the last few tickets remaining are for you is to go to theblissproject.info. Again, go to theblissproject.info. Check it out. There's videos, there's text, there's all sorts of information there. And if there are tickets left by the time you get there, it is definitely probably going to be a great fit for you. Now, I can't wait to jump into this podcast because I'm going to sit down with PETA and we talk about her new book called Earth is Hiring, the new way of living, leading, earning, and giving. And quite honestly, everything in this book will change the way that you do business and how quickly you start to thrive. Like this book is a game changer for everything that you've been trying to do. We also talk about her money story growing up and how it has grown in her favor as she's worked on it because you got to do the work on it. And I even ask her, I'm like, okay, what's step one if you want to work on your money story? And she has great answers for what you can do. Matter of fact, quite frankly, this is one of the best conversations about what money is for you that I have ever had with a guest. So get ready, take lots of notes because this episode is absolutely fire. All right, Peta, my dear friend, how are you? Amazing. How are you? Good. Glad we're finally catching up. We were just joking off air or off live or whatever the hell we would call it. That it's been way too long since we talked. I know, except for text messages, but this doesn't really count. Doesn't count. <laughs> okay, so speaking of talking, we're going to have an epic conversation today. And I really want to steer it not only towards what I call socially conscious entrepreneurship. I know you got a lot of great opinions on that but also the energy of money. Is it good? Is it bad? And definitely yeah. want to talk about this epic new book that you have coming out. So before we get to that part, I feel like half my audience probably knows you pretty well and the other half probably does not know you. And I would love for them to kind of know what you represent and who, you know what you're all about. So who is Peter Kelly? Oh, well, I mean, someone different pretty much every single day. Everything's moving so fast right now. It's crazy. Like I just did my website again and, and I looked at like the text that I currently have on it and I was like, oh, I mean, like it's just crazy how fast we all move. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, began my entrepreneurial journey, I, I suppose would start there. Um, I was doing a PhD in science and I, um, I wrote a thesis and published it in some journals and I was really a science nerd and then moved on to my PhD and Long story short, I left that because it, I just, my soul was just like, no, like you have to try something else. And I had no idea what I was going to do um, in the world of entrepreneurship. I had never, I had no business in my family or anything like that, just, you know, working class family and took the leap. And that's when I found, um, accidentally found network marketing. 
and I built, um, I was very in my early 20s when I built my network marketing organization, hard and fast, just worked my ass off really with the mission of reaching the millennial generation and and giving them what was a lot of the time the very first piece of information that they could do things differently to their parents. And a lot of people didn't know that. So we were um, you know, I built a I built a big big organization of people who were like, "What? I don't have to do things like my parents. This is crazy!" Like, um, and so that that was really the days of um, the beginning of like laptop lifestyle and you know work from anywhere hashtag today's office. But really, it evolved beyond that. Um, it, it evolved beyond that, and I started to realize that that was leading to me to my next um, element of my purpose or my my next soul's purpose, which was all about defining this new paradigm, the new way to live, lead, earn, and give. And why, why are millennials doing things differently? What's so different about them? Why, like, I mean, it's the most analyzed, analyzed generation on planet earth and people just don't understand them. So I was like, I was determined because I was working with so many beautiful heart centered millennials, um, who were, itching and not even itching dying for more in their lives so I understood I very much understood what was at the core of this generation like um, and I felt like it was my responsibility to firstly be a voice for them but really help us uh, define what's the new way okay it's our turn now we've got the baton how we need to live lead earn and give so that we can be a more thriving uh, I suppose a more thriving collective for the planet and our children and do things differently what's our role what's our job so um, I then went on my next part of my journey was building, um, especially building um, an enterprise which is all about that, you know, creating events and um, tribe and a whole bunch of other creative projects which playfully articulate the new way and bring together uh, this generation of uh, conscious entrepreneurs so that we can sort of huddle and talk about and do and be what we are required to be for um, just in order to gift this planet to our children and their children in in a way that um, they deserve. It's fascinating, it's fascinating because you, you were a self-proclaimed science nerd, as you put it in the beginning, and now you're what I would label a serial entrepreneur because of the number of projects and companies that you not only have had a hand in, but have a hand in coming up as you and I were kind of talking offline How'd you make this transition? Was it always in you or was it something new you developed as you got older? I think as a kid, I was always a leader. I was always very, um, I was quite odd as a child, <laughs> as it says, says everyone ever, right? But I was, I really was like, I had a friend who was a ruler. Like I literally had a ruler from school that I taped hair on and I would just run around, I would chase my brother around school. But I remember swinging and I wrote this in my book. I remember swinging when I was five years old on the swing and telling my primary school teacher I wanted to be the prime minister of Australia. And she, and now I'm looking back, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> but, but, but at the time I was like, I just want to do it. I want to do it. I just, I very much, I was always very responsible. That was always like my greatest gift and my greatest weakness, just responsibility. I always felt like everything was my job and I never waited for anybody to do anything. I suppose that's one of the perks of being raised by a single mom with four children. I never saw excuses or hesitation or waiting. I just always did what I, what was required. Um, and just, I never really, uh, I was always very supported by my mom. So I never really had any, um, you know, like I was always very encouraged. I think that's, that was really a, a secret weapon of mine. I was very encouraged by my mom. And, um, so 
yeah, I did, I did science again, perfect part of my story. I was never good at science. I suppose I just was intrigued. I loved the human body. I loved helping people be healthy and thriving. So I just, I just assumed that was my path. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. So I assumed that was my path. Um, so I did it and I worked my ass off and, it, and that was good, but yeah, my soul and God, they had other plans for me. So that's when my, I suppose my mission to do my bit transitioned from science to entrepreneurship. So I could definitely see elements of myself that were entrepreneurial, but I never saw myself as an entrepreneur until my soul literally tugged me out of science and was like, okay, that was what you thought you were meant to do, to do your bit, but here's really what you're meant to do, to do your bit. It was very like, I was pulled. It's fascinating because part of your answer was that you were always the responsible one. And I, I almost think what you were saying somewhere in there was you have the responsibility to create change. Do you feel this way of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Just sometimes, like I said, sometimes I feel like it's my greatest strength and sometimes my greatest weakness. Cause sometimes it's like everything is my job and that's great. And sometimes everything is my job and that's tiring. You know, that's a big responsibility to bear. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, you mentioned uh, network marketing in there real briefly. Sometimes it gets a bad rap. Why do you yeah. love the industry? Yeah, well, I love the industry when it's done with heart and integrity. So there's a lot about um, the industry and there's many companies which I don't love, just laying it all out flat because of because of practices that don't support, I suppose, the world that I think we, we're, we, we're meant to create here. So it's not all network marketing companies are created equal, but when done well, um, with a heart centered core and with integrity, it's beautiful because it is mobilizing the everyday person to create what they're and to create the resources to allow themselves to align with their sole purpose, no matter what. And there's not a lot out there that actually gives the everyday person a business model that they can do from scratch and an actual pathway. So there's entrepreneurship, which you basically are literally failing forward nonstop, but network marketing really gives you like step by step. It's like, I don't call network marketing entrepreneurship, but I call network marketing like the the sister or the brother to entrepreneurship because it's like a the company bears all the entrepreneurial risk, but the 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 associate who gets involved in network marketing is is really uh, really supported by by the company and is allowed the perks of entrepreneurship, but without a lot of the the heaviness of it and. Again, when you when you do on when you do network marketing right, you're always in integrity because it's always the result of you loving, genuinely loving a product, and so that's why um, when done with integrity, it's beautiful. It's it really is like a a, a help and support based. You know, we've heard it a million times. You become successful by genuinely supporting other people to transform or you know feel better or do better in some way. And yeah, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of hypiness around a lot of it or um it's not always done that way but when you get to the core of it when we when i really stop and get to the core of it and think about what else allows people to do like the everyday person to step into this like this role and this have this capacity to lead and create this life for themselves and their family and and create change you know there's not a whole lot of business models that provide that so you know i'm in traditional entrepreneurship and i also um, you know, I'm in network marketing. So I see both sides of it. And network marketing is like a <laughs> much easier version of, um, of traditional entrepreneurship, I would say. 
It's funny. It's how I describe it as well. I always say it's kind of the best set of training wheels for aspiring entrepreneurs because yeah. of the high upside, but really low risk, you know, it kind of teaches exactly. the skill sets and provides the seed money needed so that when you really want to go start a company, start a brand, start something yeah. in the traditional entrepreneurship space, you've now kind of cut your teeth with very low risk. And so I, yeah. I think it just provides that beautiful space as, as a set of training wheels. So here you are, you know, growing companies left and right. And, and your motto is, live, lead, earn, and give. Do I have that right? Um, well, the new way to live, lead, earn, and give. Yeah, but it's really the, it's really like ancient ways made fresh and relevant again. <laughs> Bring mm. it back. Bring it back. Yeah. So let's talk about each of those. Live, lead, earn, and give. Which one is most important? Oh, they are all one, honestly. They're like a, they're, they're a circle. If you can imagine living, which leads to leading, which leads to earning, which leads to giving, it's which comes back to living. It's all one circle. It's like living is um, our responsibility for our, for us. And when I talk about living, like what's, what are we responsible for as, as human beings? And you can say a million different things here, but the first most important thing is our own vibration and our own alignment. And that's where we're getting it twisted a little bit because we're putting everything else before how we feel. And it's, it's just not what the planet is most asking from us. The planet is asking us to get on a vibration a frequency that is more like hers. And then we all know harmony. And yet we're, we're being these doers and these creators, which is great and required, but we're forgetting the biggest, most important piece of the puzzle is how we're feeling. And, and what's my vibration in this moment? Am I prioritizing my joy? Am I delaying my joy? Am I, how am I feeling? Like, you know, am I, am I playing? Am I circulating energy? Like what is my energetic message to the world right now? And sometimes we're forgetting that because we're in the pursuit of do and create, which is, you know, which is fine because that's the brilliance of this time on earth, right? We have this phone in our hand. We can literally do absolutely anything from this rectangular thing in our hand. But a lot of the time, like this hustle and this grind message is at the expense of our vibration, which is what we where we need to check in. Um, so then the leading part of the message is all about, you know, being human as fuck and remembering that, yeah, you can be like a light worker, spiritual, spiritual as you want, but we're human and to really embrace that and to, to drop into that and, and to also take radical responsibility for, you know, when shit hits the fan in the world and things are happening that we don't understand, whether it's terrorism or anything like how can we clean up our own backyard? Like, where are we still hating and judging? Like, because everything is the result of each of us. And to just to take radical responsibility for how we are, um, how we are judging and hating and, and how can we step up our compassion game even when it's really, really hard to do that. Um, and then earning, which I know I love to talk about and you love to talk about is the business and money part where we dive into what does conscious business really mean and what does conscious money really mean and how does spirituality and business come together and how does spirituality and money come together and do I really have to choose between being a conscious human and someone who is in a great relationship with money and the answer is no what I feel is the planet is very much asking us to not avoid money but to heal our relationship with money and make it a teammate of ours as we create the world that we want to create because and again, we're probably going to talk about what money means to me, but it's a story first and foremost and something that you can um, absolutely change the collective money story. Um, and we start by changing our own. And that message goes throughout conscious business. Like what does it mean to have conscious enterprise? And I know we're going to talk about that, but, you know, I have um, a chapter in my book called The Chief Entity. And it's all about, 
you know, recognizing that all of our businesses, we're working for an entity that is higher and bigger than anything on earth. Like I always, I always say, it's my boss in the sky. It's something that tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to bring it here. And it's, um, there, there's all these like sort of deep layers of business that I speak that we chat about in the book and just in general, but then it ties all back to giving again. So, um, giving is essentially how are we treating each other? How are we treating the earth? And then it comes, it, it basically gives everyone a kick up the butt and it's like, Hey, you know what? We, we have to upgrade our action for the earth. Absolutely. Like it's, it's not just for hippies now. Like we, we've all got to, we've all got to pull our weight, but we cannot do it without upgrading our vibration as well. And remembering that, yeah, the planet wants us to recycle compost, you know, eat more plants, etc. But she also wants us to raise our vibration and to play more and to lighten up. And that's part of the message that's, also, that's being lost a little bit. So that's the new way to live, lead, earn, and give in a very small nutshell. So this radical responsibility that we all have to live, lead, earn, and give, and you can't just choose one. You've got to do it all. This is really, you corrected me in a really great way before I said, you know, this new way of building a company. You're like, well, really, it's not new. It's been around forever. We're just finally talking about it. Why are we finally talking about it? Like, why does this feel like a new paradigm when it's yeah. been around forever? But unfortunately, up until recently, companies were ignoring all four of these aspects. Well, I think it wasn't as pressing before. And like I say in my book, like everything is everything has been perfect as it is. Like the population growth and the demands on our earth right now are requiring, not requiring, but demanding that we do things differently now. It's no longer a preference or a choice. It's an absolute uh, demand. And when people ask me about what's different about the millennial generation, why do they do what they do? Why do they want different working environments? Um, you know, why does every millennial company have a social cause attached? My answer is so very simple and it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't need a long, a long ev explanation. It's just one word. It's evolution. You know, we were created with a different set of DNA and different standards for business because we needed to be in order to transition our planet or protect our planet or, um, be the stewards of our planet to, to hold it in the space and to ensure that when our children come, they've got the planet that they deserve and to do our bit to, you know, heal. I don't like saying heal or save the planet because we're not doing that, but to preserve and allow our planet to thrive. And so, you know, it's, it's the fact that, um, perhaps, uh, you know, decades ago, companies weren't practicing sustain, you know, there was no sustainable practices and standards as much as there is now. Of course there were, you know, I'm not saying, Absolutely, I'm not saying that I am the um, the creator of this message. It's just that now it's demanding to be heard loud and clear. It's just not optional anymore. And like we were discussing before, it's not like companies who choose to keep ignoring their responsibility to take care of our earth. It's it's not like, okay, that's great, whatever. Like you suck and you're mean and you don't care. It's like, no, you're not going to be around in 10 years' time. Like that's the reality of this. It's like take care of the planet or bust. That's how I see it. Okay. So I got to ask you, is it too late? No, it's not too late. It's, it's a perfect time. Like I said, everything's, everything's been perfect up until now. Like you can't, you know, it's, there's no point in wronging anyone or anything at all. It's just where there's greater requirements of us now and just different requirements of us now. And so it's just, it's just, this is the paradigm we're in. This is the shift that's here and we're just being asked to do things differently. And 
um, you know, millennials are coming into voting and spending power. And I believe will very much be voting and spending in the direction of companies who are pulling their weight in terms of um, taking care of the planet. And, you know, like the discussion we were having before, you said you have a friend who's um, very much into creating net positive companies. And it's it's all about that, like p- companies who are just uh, adjusting to the times and adjusting to the de- the demand, the, I suppose, the pressure we're putting on our earth and rising up to the challenge to just do things differently. And uh, it's definitely not too late now. It's just a, a beautiful time for everyone to respond together and uh, rise up to um, this new way. Tell me about this voting with our spending power concept, because while it makes sense on the surface, I feel like people putting together companies right now, they tend to overlook this sometime. So what are you asking? You mean like, so what do you mean when you say we're voting with our spending power? Yeah. So essentially every time we spend a dollar, we are investing, we are circulating in the direction of what we want to see in the world. And it's, it's like our primary way to vote in the world. I feel like, like if we, if, if you get really pissed off about politics, like take a look at where else you're voting every single day. Like you're voting with every dollar. Like, I firmly believe that our money is never spent. And I don't like the word spent around money because the word spent means exhausted. It, it sort of suggests that when you spend money, then it then it's exhausted after you spend it and then it stops. But money never goes to sleep, right? Money is always working 24-7. So when we are using money, we are investing it, circulating it, and it's always generating something all the time. Money is never asleep. So unless we just have it sitting dormant, obviously, but money in circulation is always generating something. So whenever we invest money, whether it's in a small local organic farmer's market, whether it's in a fashion label, whether whether it's, um, you know, in a gym, whether it's in um, a not-for-profit, we are saying, okay, this is, take this money, I'm circulating in your direction because I am supporting what you are creating and generating with it because this money is now going to work. So you know, when people are really starting to, um, well, you know, not starting to, but more and more and more people are realizing, ah, like I do have a say in what happens in this world with my money and how I circulate it. So when we make a purchase, we're voting that we are for that company, what they represent. And you've said it before, we're shifting into a time where people don't just care if it's a good product. They care about the founder of that company. They care about the impact that that company is making. They care about, you know, is this a socially conscious or, or sustainable yeah. company. And I think you used the term, I can't remember if it was online or offline. We were chatting before, but it's literally coming down to a make it or break it situation for your yeah. company. Is that right? Yeah. It's like, I feel very much that it's do or die. It's like, okay, there, there are so many companies being born. Like I have leggings made out of recycled water bottles, recycled plastic water bottles. And I have bathers made out of recycled plastic water bottles. It doesn't mean everybody needs to go over the top and stop what they're doing immediately, but there, everything we have, there is the option to get it in a more conscious way. And people really do give a shit and they're giving a shit more and more and more. And our children, like my daughter, I know that her generation is going to give even more of a shit than our generation. So it's like, you know, as the times progress, people are being born wired with different DNA. I, I firmly believe that because they are required to have different standards of, for these practices in order for our planet to evolve and thrive. So for me, it's like, 
if if companies aren't upgrading their practices to um, to support our earth, then they're not going to survive. You know, the the shift in consciousness. It's it's just not going to happen. You brought up money before. How do you feel about money? So I I'm fine with money. I mean, again, it's like money. I think it's a beautiful teammate. That's my stance on money. And before anything else, it's a story and that's what i love banging home to people is you know we can i don't worship money but i very much appreciate money that's where my stance is i see money as being a a teammate of mine for creating the world i want to see but also for helping me thrive as a human and i think that's where a lot of people the conversation for money it's very easy to talk about yeah because i want to give to a not-for-profit and i want to build this company and i want to vote with my dollar because we feel like um, it's very easy to talk about money in terms of nobleness, right? Yeah, well, I want to be very noble. Um, but what about owning the fact that money allows us Wi-Fi and money allows us organic food to nourish our body so we can be more available to serve the world and serve our families and be healthier? And what about the fact that um, money allows us experience with experiences with our family that is beautiful, that uh, essentially is what we are here to have? What about the choice? I, I, I wish people would own that even more. And that's why I am so appreciative of money for what is allowed me to do in my life, for the choices I have, for what I'm allowed to experience with my family. And absolutely because it's my teammate in creating the change I want to see. And because I believe that when you when you bring hard consciousness and money together, that's a beautiful thing. But the, the heart conscious, spiritual conscious, woke aware, whatever you want to call them, People cannot shy away from money because they're being asked to participate in a way that circulates money in a more conscious direction. When you talk about money, you do it so eloquently and you make it seem like, yes, it's perfectly acceptable. I want more of it because it's this great thing and it does these things for me. Why do people have such a damn hang up around it when it sounds so great when you talk about it, but in our minds, we have all this bullshit around it? Yeah, well, I think... It's like everybody has a different money story. So the first thing to understand is that there's no the money story. It's just our money story. So money doesn't work the same for everyone. It's it's a story. It's a story for someone who hates it. It's a story for someone who loves it. It's a, it's, it's a different story for absolutely everyone. And when we can own that, that's just the most important thing. But a lot of – it's all about how we've been raised, the stories that have been on offer to us. Some people were raised with – um, parents who just told them that it was you know, money was the devil, money was the root of all evil, the rich get rich and the poor get poorer. And other people were raised with a family that had a lot of money and absolutely zero abundance or love or true richness and fullness. Um, and then there are so many communities around the world who actually don't like they they just want community and they they thrive on the village style living and they don't want more money and that's beautiful too. Um, and then there's the spiritual conscious woke aware, you know, communities who have um, a lot of the time the message passed around is that if you have more than you need, then you're greedy. Um, and they've, whether consciously or not, some these people they see like politicians or corporate greedy corporations spending or using money in a certain way, and they borrow that story about it. They say, "Oh, money must be greedy because that person is using it like that," but what I love encouraging people to do is take responsibility for their own money story. Like just because that president or that company is using money in that way, what about if you really want to change the collective money story and how money is behaving on earth right now, you need to change your own story and take responsibility for the way your story is and perhaps how you can heal your own relationship with money. So 
I get it why people think that money, you know, I wasn't raised with any money. I was raised with a working class mom. I worked for $5 an hour since I was 13 years old, you know, and I, I, I worked hard for my money and I, and I, you know, but it, I, I could definitely see how people identify with, you know, greedy people have money and rah, rah. But then I also, as I grew older thought, well, fuck that story. Because I want to be able to give to this and I want to be able to create that and I want to be able to retire my mom. And I, and I had all these things I wanted to do and I knew that if I held on to those stories, I would never be able to do it. And I knew that if, you know, I always have this saying, if if you're, you cannot complain about something if you're not going to change it, period. So I went to work to change my money story so that I could be a more conscious steward of money and so that I could participate with money in a more conscious way to create the world I wanted to see. And in a way that was aligned with my soul, I just, I wasn't, I had to stop borrowing the stories that were on offer to me from everyone else because there was, I, I wanted to live in, in full alignment with my soul's purpose. And not everybody requires more money, Chris, we know this. Not everybody wants or requires or needs more money and not everybody should go after more money. I firmly believe that chasing after more money when your soul does not require it is just moving you further out of alignment. Like, it's, but some people like me and you, our missions require that we do hold and circulate more money because we have these big, you know, we have these things that require money. Not everyone does. So it's all about getting into alignment with what is, how do you want to participate with money in this world? Like what is your soul and your calling and your mission asking you to do in relationship with money and how to be in relationship with money? And are you participating with money and speaking about money in a way that is rewarding for the collective or non-rewarding for the collective and is your heart and your beautiful intent uh, what what could happen with the world if heart consciousness and money were partners like that's the possibility that I like to go to and that doesn't mean bling and drowning in money or anything like that it just means like I I know what my heart wants to do with money so I have no apologies with the fact that I want to circulate I like I can create a lot of money because I want to circulate it to create the change I want to create and that also includes a thriving life for myself and that's important but a very generous life um, in the direction creating things giving things investing in people and companies and not for profits um so it's all about getting into alignment with your soul and um, how you, how your soul is requiring you to be in relationship with money and to stop banging on about these old non-rewarding stories because they're just not rewarding. And if real leadership is about, is about taking responsibility for our own stories and how that, how they're affecting the collective money story. God, I love it. I love how you say you got to take responsibility for your own money story. You did that. You did the work, so to speak, and, and we can see where you're at now. So if somebody feels like they're out of alignment with their money story, where can they start doing the work? Where's step one? Yeah. So step one is what's your money story? So how do you speak about money? Like what's your, so firstly, it's what do you say about money? And people can, if they just grab a pen and a journal, they can very quickly identify what it is. Things like I never have enough money, like fuck if only I had enough money. Like there's just the repetitive things that come out of their mouth or go through their head. I also like to get people to check in with their relationship with money. Um, but before we go there, for people to get their money story, it's important to go back to their parents' money story, their grandparents' money story, their siblings' money story, and their immediate friends' money story because it's it's very likely that they're all the same. And that's okay. It's just about saying, okay, well, do I want this money story? Like if I want to build this company that is sustainable or whatever, do I require to change my money story? 
Um, and it doesn't mean you have to get filthy rich. It's just about getting into an alignment with your purpose. Um, the next thing is healing your relationship with money. So I always have anyone I'm mentoring and it's in my book too, to write a love letter to money, like as if it's like an ex-boyfriend or whatever, like a genuine love letter, because a lot of people, um, are blaming money for everything that's wrong in their life and they are not appreciating money at all. And because money is an energy, it wants to go where it's welcomed and it won't go where it's not welcomed. So if we are, if we can heal our relationship with money and not worship it, but appreciate it and start realizing like, Hey, my money afforded my Wi-Fi today. My money afforded my dog's healthy food today. Like waffles gets to eat the nutritious food. Like my 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 money. I've seen waffles food. It's very nutritious. It's like we could stuff. even eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my money afforded me this heating in my house. My money afforded me this this you know whatever it is shoes so that I can run. Like we can start changing our relationship for it to be one of appreciation, not worship. And to start realizing that money up until this point in our lives has been responding to us exactly as we've been instructing it to. And that's 100% our responsibility. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, money has been responding to us exactly as we've been instructing it to energetically. So when we can realize that, maybe we can stop shit talking it and start appreciating it and saying, hey, money, look. I know we got off on the wrong foot. Uh, you know, this is my first, you know, when I was young, I saw you be used like this and I get it. And I've only, I've only talked smack about you my whole life. So no wonder you don't want to hang around me. Right. But Hey money, this is what I want to create. This is the life I want to live. This is who I want to give to. I'm sick of living in resentment of you. Can we start over? Like, can we call it truce? Like this is, this is how I want our relationship to be. And to have that healing relationship with money as an energy, because like I said, money, Money, money does what energies do. It can only go where it's welcome, then it can't go where it's not welcome. So firstly, get clear on your money story with no judgment. And secondly, write a relation, write a love letter to money and clear your, heal your relationship. And thirdly, um, write a new story. <laughs> I, I love that. Some of the stuff is in your book. So I'm dying to kind of shift the conversation that way. What's in your book? Like, what are we going to learn? What are we going to discover? Yeah, so it's all about the new way to live, lead, earn, and give. It's basically everything we've been talking about here, but 400 pages worth, which I actually had to cut down oh my from like 800 pages. I mean, I mean, disgusting amounts of words, seriously. Like 800 pages that started off as disgusting. I know. So I, I just have obviously no problem talking and writing, but the editing, brutal. So it's it's 400 pages and draw lots of drawings where I've actually drawn money and you know, hearts and, and a lot of like fun things in there by hand. Um, and so it's all about the new way to live, lean, earn and give. We dive into money with all of these practices in there. We dive into conscious enterprise a little bit. I didn't go too far into it because um, it's probably in, for another time. A lot about the earth, a lot about leading, a lot about living, a lot about raising our vibration. It's, it's very much, um, well, it's called earth is hiring. So it's what is earth hiring us to do right now? Like, let's huddle in together. Let's chat about it. Earth is hiring. I love that. What is your absolute favorite lesson in the new book? Oh, absolute favorite. To to be honest, like it all comes like the money ones, amazing. I love them because they're very practical. Um, I love how I talk about that every company needs to have the planet and the like two seats at their board meetings. Every single company needs to have two seats at their board meeting, one for the planet and one for the children. And they need to make decisions as if those two people, those two, like there's like the Amazon rainforest in one seat and their children in another seat. That's how businesses need to operate now. 
Um, I love the message of raising our vibration because we do take changing the world too ser- take changing the world too seriously. So I love that part of the book because it helps people lighten up on their mission mission to change the world. And I especially need to read my own words there because you know the responsibility piece. So there's a lot about play and circulating energy and feeling good, you know, and that's I think what game changers change makers really need to hear. So who is the perfect person to pick up this book? Essentially, uh, it says millennials and anyone who gives a shit. So the reason I put millennials on there was because I just feel like it's important to have like a timestamp, you know, like I want my daughter to read it and be like, oh, that's what mom's generation was going through. Like I appreciate like the timestamp. Um, but I put and anyone who gives a shit because basically anyone who gives a shit about like each other in the world. It's basically anybody who considers themselves an entrepreneur, a leader, change maker, game changer, changer of any kind, anybody who does care about us as a team, team earth um, and the planet and humanity in general and their own ability to thrive as well. So it's good for crusty old 40 year olds like me. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm, I'm part of the, I'm part of team give a shit. How's that? Yeah, you are so part of Team Give a Shit. You're an amazing conscious leader, so generous, and you're not rusty at all. You're as fresh as they come. <laughs> here's a, so here's a kind of a, a deeper question about the book. Every time that we bear our soul, there's these moments or these, these parts where we're like, oh, do I want to put that out there? Are there any of those yeah. moments in the book? Yeah, there actually is. Um, and I added it in very last minute because something didn't feel quite complete because I took out a little bit of that stuff, like how I was bullied um, as an adult online quite a lot when I was first building my network marketing business quite quite um, quite intensely and there was I didn't put that in the book because it got so long and I felt like you know what I don't want to put this heaviness into this book but there was another story I needed to share um, it was when I moved to the US from Australia there was again a lot of times where I came up with to a lot of contrast challenging things for me um, cha- challenging to move from Australia to the US and just how I had to evolve as a leader out of judgment and into compassion and how tough that was for me. So there's some honest stuff in there. Um, but basically the only reason I shared it is because I, you know, I wanted to share something I'd found tough on my leadership journey and how I, how I had to go from being judge judgmental and like, um, this is not how the world's meant to be to compassion and understanding. Mm, I love that you put that journey that you had to go on in there because a lot of other people are either halfway through that journey or they are right at the very beginning of it and they know that they need to go through it. You know, one of the other things that we talk a lot about is generosity. And and I feel like one of the most generous things that people could do just because this book is so important is to not only get one for themselves, but get one for somebody else as well. And, you know, we always talk about giving on this podcast. Matter of fact, one of the questions I ask everybody is, in order to inspire others to give more, what is one of your most favorite moments of giving? Retiring your mom. Yeah, retiring mom would definitely be one of them. She, 40-year career as a school teacher, single mom of four, slept on the lounge for a few years. We only had uh, five people in our house and three bedrooms and you know she she deserved to have a break and so retiring her was great. She's, She's right here now um, visiting me from Australia and hanging out with my daughter, Sol, her first granddaughter. And she couldn't have done that. You know, she she couldn't have spent this time with Sol if she didn't get that, just that breath, you know, from having, oh, she just deserved it so much. And she is such a giver. So, like, I mean, every every year 
we would, without fail, and this is like, my mom had to save up every single year for our Christmases, every single year. And I remember one year at Christmas, mum would save up and on payday, she'd get the expensive stuff, like, you know, some prawns and some little bit of cold meat and stuff, because it's summer in Australia when we have Christmas. And one year, the, that expensive stuff got stolen from her trolley. And I remember the look on her face was like, absolute, like, what am I going to do for my kids on Christmas now in terms of our food? And there was nowhere else to get money. And the very next day, still, like every other year, we went to the Salvation Army with things to give, like uh, toys and food, because we did it every year. So even though mum's expensive food got taken from her trolley, we still went to the Salvation Army the next day and gave to families who were less fortunate than us. And mum just, we just never felt like we weren't rich because we were just surround. Our mum was like that. So that's been my, that's been my, my role model for giving. And, um, and then I have to share the other one, our giving moon for our wedding. And you know, because you gave to it, uh, you know, we, instead of having wedding gifts, we decided to circulate money in a new way and, and raise like, I think $130,000 for the unstoppable foundation instead of getting gifts, which was just so fun, you know, and very easy too. That was, and I got to tell you as a participant, um, in your, in your wedding and with the giving moon, it's actually a relief instead of saying, what do you get somebody who already has everything? It's a relief to be able to contribute towards the greater good instead of trying to figure out what to get someone. Everything about the giving moon is a brilliant idea. Everybody should do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So where can we find your book? Um, it will be on earthishiring.com. It will also be on peterkelly.com. Um, and, it should be on Amazon, but <laughs> what one of those three, you can't miss it. Earthishiring.com. Oh my God, I'm so excited to read this thing and to give a bunch out as gifts. All right, last question I ask every single person on here. It's a signature question, and that is, why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth or success? Because if you're doing it in alignment with your soul and your highest purpose, then you don't have to apologize for anything because that's what the world requires right now. Again, if your pursuit for money, wealth, success, whatever it is, is truly in alignment with your soul, no apology required. But if it is not in alignment with your soul, if you really don't require it and it's like an ego pursuit, then maybe you should apologize to yourself and your soul because you're moving out of alignment. So again, if it really is in alignment with your soul, go for it and own it because the world needs more people who are truly living in alignment with their soul's purpose. It's so simple when you put it that way. If it's in alignment, go for it. And if not, go find what's in alignment. I love that. Peter, you are always yeah. full of such amazing value, and I can't freaking wait to get my hands on your book. Um, again, it is earthishiring.com. Is that correct? Yeah, it will be there, and it will also be on peterkelly.com, so just, just as a backup. Can't wait. Because who knows with technology, you know? Oh, can't <laughs> wait. Peter, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you cracked a lot of lives wide open here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Chris. I love this and I love everything you do. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, Cheers to your success.